What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 34th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about running back breakouts, guys like Travis Etienne, Antonio Gibson, Miles Gaskin, and Daryl Henderson, and why we believe they will have extremely big seasons. Joining me today to break this all down is a man who is one of the most respected DFS football analysts and podcasters in this space. His podcast has over 5 million downloads. He is a co-founder of Establish the Run with one of the best voices in fantasy football and over 142,000 followers on Twitter. He is Adam Leviton. What's going on, Adam? Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. appreciate the intro. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a good one. But I think running backs, wide receivers are probably my favorite position, but how could you not love running backs? I mean, they're the guys that the last couple of years, whether it's Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara last year, that seemed to make the biggest difference in fantasy football. So identifying some of these breakouts and league winners and anything like that are definitely the biggest things. Before we get into it, I have to ask, because I think a lot of people like yourself that are able and lucky enough to do this full time have pretty interesting stories like of how they got into this. So Were you born to be a fantasy football or DFS analyst? Like, How did you get your start and get to where you are today? Uh, no, I, I mean... I was, uh, uh, I always thought I'd be a beat reporter, you know, for a newspaper. I was a journalism major at Penn State, um, and I kind of pursued that for a little bit, but, um, you know, it wasn't really very lucrative, and I was, uh, I started playing poker pretty seriously in 2003, um, and so, uh, you know, poker was really good to me and, and to a lot of us for a long time, and, and it started to get um a little bit tougher and unreasonable and and then dfs came along and in 2014 or so you know a lot of us including me kind of switched over to playing uh dfs in the kind of the same way and 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 a lot of the similar skill set that we used in poker and so i started playing dfs and then um yeah just kind of snowballed from there you know had was a part of fantasy labs and and DraftKings uh for a while and then decided to start a slab to run and so yeah it's just kind of all snowballed so so yeah, it's been crazy. That's awesome. And especially for Establish the Run and how big it's gotten. And like you said, I mean, we were talking before the show, you said 2019 is the start and you guys are, are where you are today. One of the top podcasts and top fantasy sites, I mean, in the world um, is, is pretty, pretty cool. And I'm excited to see what you guys are doing. But I'm also super excited to get right into this episode. And with that being said, who is your first running back breakout for today? Yeah, I mean, I'll go with the guy who I guess, I don't know if it's a breakout or not. Maybe he's already broken out. But I think with Jamal Williams gone, you're going to see Aaron Jones used even more in the pass game. And I do like A.J. Dillon. I think A.J. Dillon's a pretty good pick, too. But A.J. Dillon is not nearly the pass catcher that Jamal Williams was. And so once we can start extrapolating more pass down work for Aaron Jones, you can start to see how you could have some huge games. Because I don't think that Aaron Jones, people don't realize, like Aaron Jones, uh, is almost as good, I think, of a pass catcher as Alvin Kamara is. You know, he just hasn't been used with Drew Brees in the same fashion. But I could see Aaron Jones catching four or five passes a game this year. And obviously, if he can do that, he would have an absolutely massive, massive year. So I, I think in some leagues, Aaron Jones is still going in the second round. I think, you know, for me, a no-brainer in the first round for Aaron Jones, particularly in, in half PPR or full PPR. Does it does it worry you at all with them losing Corey Lindsley and, I mean, David Bakhtiari for the year? Or, mm-hmm. I mean, even... 
with that, with some of the touchdown regression, because I think they had 80, 80% uh, of red zone looks they converted into touchdowns. Does that yeah. concern you at all? But I mean, again, he's been a top five running back over the last couple of years. He's my running back six right now. I mean, do, do, do you have any concerns about anything like that? Yeah, I think so. We did a podcast yesterday with Brandon Thorne, who studies offensive lines, and he seemed to think that the scheme and Aaron Rodgers can mitigate some of the offensive line concerns. I think Aaron Rodgers' TD rate is more likely to regress than than Aaron Jones, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm I I think that the pass catching will mitigate some of that regression for sure. For sure. And I think one of the things that you you brought up, I just did a podcast last night, and someone said something similar though. Okay, well, Aaron Rodgers just posted the highest touchdown rate in NFL history. So, and if anybody could increase in touchdowns, it might be Aaron Jones because there's going to be less coming through the air, uh, maybe more on the ground. But I think that overall, again, I think Aaron Jones is a locked and loaded top five, top six running back, however you want to shake it. Um, I absolutely love him. But I also love someone like Miles Gaskin. Miles um, Gaskin last year from week five on averaged over 20 touches and 19 fantasy points per game. And he averaged 69% of the snaps at that point. And I think that this year going with into Tua in year two, I think this offensive line is going to be a little bit better as they have more time to gel together. And I think the thing is people are overestimating too much of Malcolm Brown. Um, Malcolm Brown has played six seasons now and he's hit 100 carries just one time in his six career seasons. And I know Salvon Ahmed had a couple good games, but it seemed like from what we saw last year, whoever was the starter for the game seemed to be the guy. And I, th- I think the fact that they didn't take a running back in this draft speaks to that. And I think I know they were going to take Javante Williams at around pick 34, 35. But again, they didn't decide to take a running back anyway after that until the seventh round. So I think that they really seem to believe in Miles Gaskin. He's gotten good reports out of camp. Um, he's someone I think could actually break out, even though he is in that running back dead zone, which is a little scary. But I'm, I'm in on him. Are you feeling the same way about Miles Gaskin? Or are you off him? Yeah, it worries me a little bit with Miles Gaskin. I think they have maybe the worst offensive line in the entire league. Miles um, Gaskin, I, I played really well last year. I, I'm fine with it in general. I think in a vacuum, I'm fine with it. It's just in that range where he goes, I'm taking wide receiver like every time, you know, and so I'm taking Jamar Chase or T Higgins or Deontay Johnson or Galladay or I don't know. He goes like around so many wide receivers that I like that I typically take wide receiver there. So I don't, I haven't really taken much Miles Gaskin. In a vacuum, I guess it's okay, but I definitely prefer wide receiver. Yeah, no, I'm with that. I mean, Deontay Johnson's one of my three, my guys this year. So I think I would take Deontay over Miles Gaskin. But I mean, I think in that range, he's still a, a pretty solid value. Who is your number two running back? Yeah, I think people are afraid of the Jets because they're the Jets and they haven't had really viable fantasy players for so long. But man, I mean, they have immediately given Michael Carter, uh, you know, a lot of times when these rookies come in, like even if they're good, even if they're first rounders, second rounders or whatever, they they make them stay behind the incumbent or the veteran for a while. The Jets did not do that with Michael Carter. He's been running with the starters since camp opened, and he just has the skill set that I look for in a running back. He can run between the tackles, but he's better as a pass catcher, and I, I really, really, really prefer that. And I think Zach Wilson's gonna, and this offense going to be way more fun than people think. I think really good offensive line, especially on the left side, really good wide receiver trio. And, you know, Zach Wilson, I don't know how good he'll be, but he's going to be fun. He's not going to, like, play scared like other quarterbacks they've had had. Uh, Zach Wilson's going to going to be fun. So I, I like Michael Carter. I know his ADP has come up a lot lately, but I think in kind of more casual leagues, you know, you'll be able to get him really cheap. Yeah, no, I, I think he's a solid pick. The one thing that does worry me, 
um, is there's a guy on Twitter, a DFB encounter, Drew Ozenchuk, that did a study on running backs taken in the rounds four through seven. And one of the things that he found is only 36 of the last 221 running backs taken in round four or later have hit a top 24 season ever in their career, um, which definitely concerns me. But it's not often that when you draft a running back in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that they're the lead back out of the gate. Not many right. of those guys seem to run with the first team very early on. So I think that that with Michael Carter and his I mean, college production alone, I think makes him a value, especially like you said, where he's going right now in drafts is just absolutely ridiculous, um, especially for a lead guy. So he's someone that I think is definitely interesting. But I think a guy that's going in that same range that to me is a little bit more interesting, even though he might not necessarily be the lead back, is James Conner. I think everyone has heard this I mean, this stat at this point, and everybody sounds like a broken record, that Chase Edmonds has only had one goal line carry in his three seasons. He's never hit more than 100 carries in a season. And he's only hit 10-plus carries in a game just three times in 45 career games. And I think James Conner, I mean, again, I know the injury thing is obviously the biggest thing for him. But when he's been on the field, he's produced. I mean, last year he was the running back 14 from weeks 1 to 11 before he got hurt. In 2019, he was the running back 8 before he got hurt. And in 2018, he was the running back 6 before he got hurt. And I think the thing is that I like James Conner is, again, I don't think that Kenyon Drake is that much better. And last year, Kenyon Drake was the running back 14 with Chase Edmonds averaging 10-plus touches a game. But I think that it is fair for people to say, okay, well, this guy's just not going to get the pass catching upside, so what's his ceiling? Um, but I think James Conner, I think I'm betting on the talent, and I think the lack that they might not necessarily give Chase Edmonds the workload. Um, but James Conner is a guy that I, I believe in if he can stay as healthy, but that's as big of an if that you can get. Are you taking James Conner at all in your drafts? Yeah, I, I have. And when the gap was wider, I was taking a lot of James Conner. He was yeah. going in like the 11th round, and, Kenyon, and Chase Edmonds was going in like the 6th round, and that was just ridiculous because I think James Conner is going to play a ton, and like you said, he's going to play at the goal line. And so I think the ADP has gotten tighter now. But again, in casual leagues, I mean, James Conner is going to go very, very, very late. And yeah, I think he will be the goal line back for sure. And, that, and, and also get plenty of, of uh, early down carries as well. So yeah, I, I like that one too. Yeah, the other thing that I should mention with, with Chase Edmonds that really makes me believe in James Conner is Vegas. When Vegas talks, you should listen. And I think one of the things that people don't – I haven't talked about enough that I saw the other day on Fantasy Points was that Ch – um, sorry, Chase Edmonds caught 52 passes last year, right? This year we have an, a 16th game. There's no Kenyon Drake, and Chase Edmonds is supposed to be the starter. Well, his over-under on receptions is 45-and-a-half. So he's down 7-and-a-half on his over-under – without Kenyon Drake when he's presumed to be the starter with James Conner there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, maybe they're just setting an up and over under total, but either he is a just a smash over or they're seeing something that we're not, where James Conner or even someone like Eno Benjamin um, could get a little bit more work. And I think that's pretty interesting. Does that, does that with, when stuff like that, I mean, again, as someone that does DFS, when you look at over-unders, does anything like that ever influence you at all or make you notice that trend of where things could be going? Yeah, so I, I think that um... – the player prop lines are really inefficient. I mean, these books are just putting them up uh, as marketing tools to try to get fantasy players and people like us into the sports book, and then okay. they'll come in and they'll bet sides and stuff like that. So limits are typically pretty low. I think that we are better off betting prop lines and making money that way than we are thinking that we should be using the prop lines in our analysis, if that makes sense. So I don't put a lot of stock in that. I bet so many player props uh, this, this off season and I just, I don't have a lot of respect for the lines that, that the books put out, I guess is my point. Okay. All right. That, that's good to know. And again, I, I'm not someone that bets. I mean, I'm still technically under 21. So <laughs> 
with that, I think that, again, it's hard for me to say when I don't have that same experience. And I think that's something I will definitely keep in mind of that those lines are not necessarily super accurate. So I appreciate you bringing that insight. Um, sure. That's really, that's really, really interesting. But another guy that's interesting, kind of going back to the Miles Gaskin range of kind of people, is someone like Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson is your next breakout. Obviously, Cam Akers not down with an Achilles injury, but you know there's some Xavier Jones and some Jake Funk hype. But it seems like Henderson could be the guy, and it seems like you believe in him in this offense. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, Daryl Henderson was really explosive at Memphis. Has second round draft capital behind him. This is a team which prefers to run at the goal line. Daryl Henderson again has that pass catching skill set that I prefer. And yeah, I think that they might sign some old guy, or, or they might use Xavier Jones a little bit. But in today's NFL, like you can't let that stop you. Almost every running back is sharing time to some degree. And yeah, I think there's gonna be a really good offense, capable quarterback play. And I don't really see a big difference between someone like. Daryl Henderson and and DeAndre Swift last year, who ended up having some really big games with Matthew Stafford, and I think this Rams offense will be even better. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I it's it's in that zone where I like to take wide receivers also, but I have no problem with Daryl Henderson. I definitely prefer him to to Gaskin. I would say. Okay, that's good. What would you say to the people? I mean, obviously, coach speak at this point is not something that we should always take a lot of salt and a lot of I mean, a lot of grain and however you want to say that. Um, but like he said that he might want to limit Daryl Henderson's touches a little bit to save him for the playoffs because he struggled a little yeah. bit with injuries. Does that something like that concern you? Or are you saying at the value right now, he's someone that's a smash, smash draft play? I mean, that's that's every player. I mean, I was reading they want to limit Travis Kelsey's yeah. reps this year. They want to limit Saquon Barkley's reps this year. They want to limit Christian McCaffrey's reps this year. You know, I, obviously, like it's a 17 game season. Coaches are aware of injury rates. And yeah, that's just it just is what it is. Like in today's NFL, it just is what it is. And so. Yeah, we factor some of that stuff into our projections, but you know, it's 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 almost every player now. Where how how high are you willing to take Daryl Henderson in drafts? Because I think I mean I don't know if you were a Cam Akers truther or not, but I mean I was someone that was, and I think one of the reasons that I didn't like Daryl Henderson at times, okay, like Cam Akers' profile was just so much better. But again, when he's going to be the clear lead back, it might not matter as much. But how how high are you willing to take Daryl Henderson in drafts right now? He's someone I'm definitely taking a little bit of. Yeah, I, I've been taking him like an end of round four, and I think okay. he, he's likely there in that range, I guess, depending on your league. But yeah, end of round four, I think makes sense. Would you take him over a Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin? Yes, both. Both. Okay. All right. Yes. That's good to know. I would I would probably take Gaskin over him, but I think I would take Daryl Henderson definitely over Mike Davis. Um, I just yeah. don't see him at that age all of a sudden being a, a workhorse wonder for a full season. But that is a conversation yeah. for another day. Um, the next guy I have that I'm super, super excited about um, is Clyde edwards Lair, And it might not exactly be the prospect itself, but I think it's more the offense, the situation, and everything above. I mean, right now he's a running back ADP of RB15. And Andy Reid has had a top eight running back period in fantasy in 13 of the last 17 seasons dating back to 2004. And I think people forget that before Le'Veon Bell signed last year, Clyde edwards Lair was the fourth in the NFL in touches. And over that time in weeks one through six before Bell, he played at least 60% of the snaps. He had at least 18 plus touches in all of those games. And then they completely revamped this offensive line that everybody knows and saw what it was like in the Super Bowl. Obviously, it was different than the first few weeks. But again, then you add someone like Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown, Austin Blythe, um, LDT, Kyle Long, and then you add another guy in the draft I mean, for their offensive line. It seems like that I'm not saying they're going to commit more to the run or run the ball more, but I think that they're 
talent and their situation is going to be so much better. And before Le'Veon Bell signed, Clyde Rudzi-Lair was the running back 11 on just one touchdown. I mean, I think he's a guy that, especially in this offense, and we've seen what kind of running backs they produce year after year, I think Clyde Rudzi-Lair is a huge value right now. Are you – Are you? please tell me you're a Clyde Rudzi-Lair guy. I can't imagine someone not liking him. Yeah, so I, I think the range is is wide, which is good for some of these really top-heavy best ball tournaments and top-heavy season-long tournaments. Clyde Edwards-Lair could go absolutely off and be like the running back one this year. I think that's definitely in the range. He could also lose work to Darrell Williams and Jerk McKinnon, especially in the past game, and it could go bad because I don't think Clyde Edwards-Lair is that good. He's kind of small and kind of slow, and so it's not great. But, man, I mean, he could have an absolutely monster year. I think that there's more safety in someone like – Najee Harris, yeah. but I see the upside in, in Clyde Edwards-Lair. I haven't been taking a ton of him, but, you know, like I said, it would not shock me at all if he was just absolutely nuclear this year. For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, obviously reports out of camp have been saying, I mean, Jarek McKinnon's been definitely making some noise. Daryl Williams has been getting, I mean, like 30% of first-team touches, which is a little bit concerning. I mean, I am going to lean on Clyde Edwards-Lair just because, again, we saw what he can do last year, and I think that – they still drafted him in the first round, and I don't think they drafted him in the first round to give Daryl Williams more work. They're expecting Jarek McKinnon to come in and take a ton of touches. But I guess the question I would ask you from what we've seen the last couple of years, obviously I gave the stat that Andy Reid's had a top eight running back 13 in the last 17 years, but we've seen the last two years or really since Kareem Hunt that they haven't had a true workhorse for the through the whole season. Uh, excuse me. But do you think that they might be shifting a little bit more to a committee backfield? Or, I mean, are you, is it just hard to, to see right now where it's a little bit muddled? Yeah, with the Chiefs, you mean? Yeah, with the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think they, they – they, I mean, they saw it last year. I mean, in the Super Bowl, Darren Williams played like 55% of the snaps or something crazy, you know. And so uh, I think that they aren't overwhelmed by Clyde Edwards-Alaire's ability, I would say, right now. It doesn't mean that he can't just completely go off. But, yeah, I think there will be some kind of – Committee and everybody is raving about Jerry McKinnon right now too. So yeah, I think all three are going to play. Okay, well, where would you? I mean, where would you take Clyde Edwards-Helaire? Just to give you a couple names between, I mean, someone like I would definitely take Harris over Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I'd probably take someone like Mixon between guys like Mixon, uh, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. Are there any of those guys that you'd be taking over Clyde Edwards-Helaire right now? No, no, no. If I was going, oh, it's like back end of round two, I think CEH is good. And I, I've been taking like AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Waller, a little Kittle there. And okay. so, um, yeah, I think he's in the mix. I think CEH is in the mix with those guys. Okay. All right. Fair point. But before we move on, um, we're about halfway through the show right now. We're going to take a quick break and get into the back half of our breakout running backs. Well, we are back and we are getting into our next breakout um the next guy that you have is someone that i am really starting to fall in love with a guy that honestly for most of this offseason and redraft leagues at least is someone that i've definitely been off of because i think i was a little bit worried about james robinson and carlos hyde taking enough touches but again looking at his prospect profile and everything that he's done in camp not that robinson has been good travis Etienne's a guy that's that's really starting to make some noise and i'd love to hear why you really seem to believe in travis Etienne for this year yeah i mean this staff inherited James Robinson, who is a former undrafted free agent, they don't owe him anything or any carries. Carlos Hyde is um, clearly on the back end of his career. And most importantly, I mean, they used first-round draft capital on Travis Etienne, who played with Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And again, this is the skill set, like the absolute best skill set for fantasy, the Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift type skill set where you can line up out wide, you can beat linebackers in coverage, you can see six, seven, eight targets 
per game, no problem. And I think Travis, Trevor Lawrence is going to play well. And I think that this offense is going to be much improved. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it that people are a little scared of Travis Etienne with these pass catching backs. Like, I don't, I, I don't even want to draft running backs that often, period. But when I do, if I can get ones that essentially can double as like wide receivers in these half PPR and full PPR formats, it's just exactly what I want to do. And so, yeah, I, I understand that from a projectable workload perspective, Etienne isn't great. But man, I mean, if he caught 80 balls, it would not shock me at all. Absolutely. Do you do you get concerned at all? I know like people love to talk about with the Urban Meyer and he loves to use his like slashing type of players and maybe LaVisca Chenault will get that role. And if he doesn't and Travis Etienne could lose work, does that concern you? I mean, Travis Etienne himself gave a quote, I think in camp the other day saying something along the lines of, I mean, they've been having me do wide receiver drills, but I'm a running back that's learning how to be a receiver too, to kind of mm-hmm. mold after that Christian McCaffrey, I mean, Alvin Kamara type of player. So, I mean, do, and does any of that concern you about the role specifically? Are you saying the talent is going to speak for itself at the end of the day? Well, yeah, it's crowded. I mean, I think Chanel can play. I think Marvin Jones can still play. I think DJ Chark can play. And so it's it's crowded for sure. But, man, I mean, first-round draft capital is is a lot. And I think that he'll carry the ball a reasonable amount and he'll be using the pass game a reasonable amount. I don't think he'll be split wide as much as many people think, but just coming out of the backfield and catching passes is – is the way that I think they're going to get Etienne the ball a lot. No, I, I totally agree. And I think the biggest thing that made me start to believe when people can make any arguments they want about Carlos Hyde or mainly James Robinson, but the fact that Urban Meyer with his first real pick that's not Trevor Lawrence of his career as a NFL head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he picked Travis Etienne. There's so many holes in this team, whether it's on defense, offense, whatever it is besides quarterback, and he chose a running back first and foremost after the season that James Robinson had last year. I mean, again, and the fact that he's pairing him with, I mean, Trevor Lawrence and that whole narrative itself. But again, I think the fact that they would pick a running back in the first round, we've seen what running back first round draft capital does for one. And the fact that that was his first real non-Trevor Lawrence pick um, as the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, I mean, again, that means for me, wheels up for Travis Etienne, especially with the type of prospect that he is. But another guy that I also love, 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 love in fantasy football and is one of my three my guys now at this point is DeAndre Swift. So I will say that earlier in this offseason, and people probably heard me talk about on this podcast, that I was not someone that was very in on DeAndre Swift. And then I started doing digging a little deeper and reading about some things that people were writing. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about Swift right now is he's going around the running back 17 or 18 in drafts, depending on the site. And he was the running back 18 last year in half PPR while only playing 12 games. And Adrian Peterson averaged 10-plus touches a game last year. I mean, this is a team that was 13th in run blocking, and then they added Panay Sewell and kept the other four starters. And But I think the thing that's really interesting about him is, I mean, Dan Campbell's coming from the Saints, and you saw how they used their running backs. Anthony Lynn with the Chargers, you saw how they used their running backs with Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara with those two coaches. And Albert Breer, who I think is one of the most respected NFL reporters in the NFL, said that DeAndre Swift's going to be the bell cow this year. But the biggest thing and the biggest reason that I love him um, is a guy named by the name of Lance Zerline, and he does running back grades. And DeAndre Swift is one of seven running backs he's ever graded 6.7 or higher. And five of the other six that had a 6.7 or higher grade hit a top eight fantasy season in their first two seasons of their career. The only running back that didn't is Dalvin Cook, and the only reason that he didn't is because of injuries. Obviously, we saw year three that he did that. And the last thing I have that I really loved about Swift is I think that we've seen is this stat from Jacob Gibbs from Sportsline that since 2017, only three running backs ever 
were targeted on at least 23% of their charted routes and were 21 years old or younger. And that was Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and DeAndre Swift. Noting about Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, they both finished as the RB1 or tied for it in their respective seasons when they did that. And that is just absolutely ridiculous alone. I mean, I think the Swift is just going to be absolutely unbelievable this year. And I think another stat that's really interesting is people love to talk about the win-loss narratives and how that's going to really tank Swift's value. Well, did you know that Christian McCaffrey averages six more points per game in, in losses than wins? I mean, I'm not saying that a losing team should be the running backs that we're targeting, but we've seen it right there. That alone proves it. And the last thing I will say, I know I'm being long-winded with this, is even the touchdowns. People talk about he doesn't have a lot of touchdown upside, but the lowest two teams in touchdowns last year were the two New York teams who averaged 1.6 touchdowns per game. That totals up to 27 over the season. Look at this Lions team. Who's going to score touchdowns besides Swift and Hawkinson? Nobody. I'm not saying that they're going to be score 27 touchdowns and that's fine and dandy, but I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns and those running back grades alone. I'm all in on Swift. Are you, are you starting to buy in Swift a little bit more? Or are you off him? Yeah. So there were those quotes about, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams is going to be the one a and Swift is going to be the one B. I think it was just completely blown out of proportion. Sure. Um, of course, Jamal Williams is going to play. But that doesn't mean DeAndre Swift still can't have a really good year. And, you know, again, the kind of player that I like to be in on. I do think Jamal Williams is more likely to get the goal line work. And Jamal Williams is going to play a lot and probably be a little bit frustrating for DeAndre Swift owners. But it really tanked his ADP when those quotes came out. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm totally fine with Swift. Uh, I think it's like a buy the dip off that news uh, situation. And, and I have no problem taking him in the, in the fourth round or so, particularly in full PPR. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree 100% particularly, particularly in full PPR after guys like Kittle and Waller off the board. If those guys aren't on the board, I think if I'm looking for a running back target, especially um, Swift is absolutely that guy in that round. But going into the final breakout of the day, uh, Javante Williams, I, he's someone I'm starting to buy in more and more. But there have been quotes out of camp that are saying that Melvin Gordon is the clear RB1. I mean, but again, he is 28 years old and he has not played 16 games many times in his whole career. Um, what do you think the ceiling is for DeAndre? I'm sorry, for Javante Williams this year? Oh, Melvin Gordon's going to start the year as the feature back. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. He had a $2 million roster bonus, so he's going to be on the team. Um, I think that by the end of the year, though, Javante Williams will be, I mean, it'll be impossible for the coaches to play Melvin Gordon ahead of Javante. Like, Javante is just so much better than Melvin right now already. And so it's hard to rank a guy like this because at the beginning of the year, you might not be able to, you might not even be able to use Javante Williams. But by the time week eight, nine, ten comes, and then when it's time to win in week 13, 14, 15, well, Javante Williams is going to be really, really valuable. And so it's hard to rank a guy like that. It depends how deep your bench is and everything. But but yeah, I think by the end of the year, people will be talking about Javante Williams as as a breakout. And I could see like there's major past in Javante Williams being around one fantasy pick next year. Melvin Gordon's going to be gone. And so, you know, guys like the ability to get ahead of guys who are going to be first round picks the following year is really, really valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And I think, do you think you could compare him to like um, the past two years with, I mean, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, kind of how they took over down the stretch for their teams and produced big in fantasy. Do you see that same type of path for Williams this year? Yeah, I mean, you can look at the data. I mean, you can see like like running back, rookie running backs like start off slow and then by the end of the year, it's just like a, a line straight up and it's just just happens over and over again where rookies at all positions, but especially running backs, improve so much in the second half of the year. No, I, I agree. And um, Javante Williams is definitely a guy that's one of my highest rostered players right now in redraft, like you said. I think 
earlier in the season, you might not be able to have him, but you get a guy that could be a legit running back one for the last seven, eight weeks, eight, nine weeks of the season. I mean, like you said, I think he's a huge value, especially where he's going right now. And a guy with a ton of upside should anything happen to Melvin Gordon. But the last guy I have on my list today is probably one of the most excited players I am for this year in fantasy. And that's Antonio Gibson. I mean, I think people don't talk about enough the fact that this guy had 77 total touches in college. 77. I has 44 catches and 33 rush attempts. And then he decided to play running back in the NFL after 33 career carries um, in college. And you saw what he did last year on the field. I mean, last year he was fifth among 47 qualified running backs in PFF rushing grade. He was fifth in missed, tar- missed tackles force per attempt. He was for 33rd in yards after contact per carry, 15th in yards per carry. But I think the biggest thing is, again, you saw this guy improve over the course of the season. I mean, his running backs coach himself said that a couple weeks ago that it is like night and day compared to this guy for what he did last year compared to what he's already doing this year. This is an offense that clearly likes to target the running back position as they had over 150 targets go to their running back position last year. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to stay the same because Alex Smith isn't there and Ryan Fitzpatrick is there. But you saw what this offense has done. I mean, Scott Turner Turner is the son of Norv Turner. And you saw what he did with Christian McCaffrey in Carolina and all the big scenes that Christian McCaffrey having. I think that there's a non-zero chance that, I mean, Antonio Gibson could be the DC CMC, um, but he's someone that's super interesting, especially because they've said that he's going to play more third downs. He has huge target upside. Um, is Antonio Gibson someone that you're going to be buying a lot of this year? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we saw last year he can run between the tackles and Washington allowed him to do so. And he performed really well. We already knew. He's a really good pass catcher. I mean, he played wide receiver in college. And so, yeah, I think Antonio, I like the Washington football team. I think that Antonio Gibson is going to be a huge, huge part of it. He's very expensive. Obviously, you need like an early second round pick, mid second round pick to get Antonio Gibson at this point. So it's definitely not any kind of sleeper. But yeah, I mean, he has massive upside this year for sure. Uh, do you do you know exactly where you have him in your running back rankings right now? And Would you take him over a guy like Najee Harris going right in that same range? Yeah, we have uh, we have Antonio Gibson RB eleven and Najee RB thirteen. Okay, who's so who's, close. who's running back nine and ten above him? If you don't mind me asking, we have Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler nine okay. and ten. Yeah, yeah, I would have both those guys. I mean, I Taylor Taylor is a little tougher for me, right in that range. But I think yeah, I think Antonio Gibson at running back eleven is super fair. That's right around where I have him. I have him at running back ten right now. Um, but Antonio Gibson, like I said, I will have a lot of shares of him early this year um, in 2021. But that is it for running back breakouts. The final question I have for you today, Adam, is my favorite question on the podcast. Yes, every guest. What is your 2021 flag plant? Your boldest prediction that you absolutely believe in? Who is your guy for this season? Yeah, I, I don't know how bold it is anymore, but I, I would say Trey Lance will be the guy that you need to have because by taking a late round quarterback like Trey Lance, you don't burn an early round pick on the position. And if you can get by until Trey Lance starts, which by the way, I think could be as soon as week one, I mean, he's going to go absolutely nuclear rushing the football. And then also with his weapons of Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo with Kyle Shanahan, it's just really hard for Trey Lance to fail. And so I'd be absolutely shocked if he wasn't the starter by October. Um, If you can wait that long, I think he'll be a huge difference maker. But I think there's at least like a 50-50, maybe 45-55 chance at this point that Trey Lance will actually start in week one. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Trey Lance was going in like round 16 or 17 right after the draft. Then it started to move up. And now he's going round 10 or 11 in some some tougher formats. But, 
but yeah, man, I'm trying to get as much Trey Lance as I can. Especially, I, I totally agree. He's someone I'm trying to take with the last pick in every single draft. And it's funny you say him. Um, I just had Sean Corner on my podcast the other day, and that was his flag plant. He said Trey Lance is going to be this year's Jalen Hurts in the playoffs. I mean, especially with his schedule where he's playing the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans for his last four weeks. I mean, even if you don't like Trey Lance, I mean, that you don't think he's going to start early. We've never seen a top three quarterback in NFL history sit their whole entire first season. It's just a matter of how soon will he take over. And again, we see those guys take over all the time. And Trey Lance has been performing in camp. It's not like he's had a dud camp. Sure, it's been against the second team. But again, Trey Lance is a guy that's been absolutely amazing in camp by all accounts. Um, and again, he's someone that I'll be picking a lot in drafts and someone that could legitimately win people leagues, especially with the weapons he has. But nonetheless, Adam, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. It was absolutely wonderful to have you and get to talk to you. Um, do you have anything, any closing thoughts or anything that you want to plug for the listeners to here oh no no if you're on twitter you can follow me just my name adam levitan and yeah that's about it thanks for having me no it was absolutely great to have you and for everyone thank you so much for listening to the fresh fantasy podcast today um please leave a review the feedback is the best possible way that we can learn and grow because it is the only thing that is going to make us better good bad or indifferent um but nonetheless thank you guys so much for listening today so like i said please leave a review you guys already know what to do and i hope you all have a great rest of your day